Well, good morning. It's such an honor to be here with you all kicking off the breakdown of John 3.16 as we look through this verse in a different lens each week. And I will be honest with you, when I first got um, my assignment, per se, these two words, for God, I was a little intimidated how do you write something with just two words, six letters? How does that possibly make something up for a morning? And I am now here to tell you, we could talk about these two words every week from now until eternity, and we would still not do his name justice. For God. The name God is just one of the ways of identifying who he is. But what is in a name anyway? If you think about it, uh, many of you who got married most likely took on the last name of your new husband, aligning yourself now with his family and his values. Not everyone, but most of us. Um, or a child who is adopted, they take on the new family's last name, identifying that they are now a part of this new family. I think about when we first named our kiddo and we got to the doctor's office and we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl and we were so excited to find out we were having a little boy and we didn't have a list of names kind of in the lineup already. And so we got back to the office and we're looking through the baby book and we're like, oh, that baby's cute. Oh, that name's cute. And mm, that one's all right. That one's... And we decided we liked this name Riker and we loved the name. And then we did a quick Google search because, you know, you got to check on all these things, make sure that they're not, you're not naming your kids something that you'll regret later. And after a quick search, we decided Riker would be okay. And so we named our son. Well, you guys know what I'm talking about. You do the same thing. I've seen the blankets with the name across. And when you announce your baby from on Instagram, that blanket has that name like 800 times. So everyone knows the name of your baby. Your monogram, you think about what the monogram will look like. It's very important what you name your kiddo. And some of you maybe, maybe even have some more significance behind your name. Maybe it's a name that's been passed down from generation to generation in your family or describes what it took for you to come into this world. And while we today have placed a lot of importance on the significance of a name, it pales in comparison to the meaning behind a name in the biblical texts. In fact, the Bible gives us numerous examples of God changing someone's name to reflect a new reality. If you think about it, Abram, he was exalted father. His name was changed to Abraham, the father of a multitude. Jacob, the grabber of heel, that's a bummer, that's a bummer name, <laughs> changed to Israel, who wrestles with God. And in the New Testament, we see when Jesus is telling Simon, you will be called Peter. He changed his name. And so from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible demonstrates the power of a name, especially the name of God. Well, one name alone can't fully tell us what we need to know about who God is. But today, the name that we are going to look at is the first name that was revealed audibly to us through none other than Moses. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Exodus chapter 3 today where you will be able to follow along. We know Exodus is the second book in the Old Testament, and it is the story of God delivering his people. And so that's where we're going to live. And very first verse in Exodus 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 1, we find Moses watching over his sheep. 
Now, let's take a minute to look at the backstory of how we got here. So Moses was born as a Hebrew baby during a time when it would not have been great to be a Hebrew baby. Um, They were being killed because they were being fear for power, okay? And so Moses's father, Moses's mother and sister, they hid Moses for as long as they could until they were no able, no longer able to keep him hidden. And they placed him in a basket and sent him down the Nile where he was found by, by the Pharaoh's daughter. And he was adopted into the most prominent Egyptian family. He was rescued from death. And when Moses had grown up, he witnessed the oppression of the Hebrew people. He saw them being treated unfairly and he took some action and he killed one of them. And thinking no one else could see, he buried the body in the... Guys, this is in the Bible. You got to read the Bible. It's good. Thought no one could see... But they did see, and word got back to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is not very happy about this, and he knows he needs to take some action, and so he tried to kill Moses. So here we have Moses, he's fleeing, he's running, and he runs to this land of Midian where he's going to start a new life. He gets married, he starts to become a shepherd, he's changed from one to the next. Talk about some drastic life changes, going from Egyptian royalty now to a shepherd on the hillside. So here you have it. Moses is a fugitive. He's on the run, hiding out in Midian on a hill with some sheep. We pick up in verse two, which if you've been around the church for any amount of time, you're familiar with this story and what happens next. There, an angel of the Lord appears to Moses in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Go figure, a man attracted to fire. (laughs) Moses stares, he stares in amazement, and though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. Moses says, this is amazing. Why is the bush burning up? I must go see, I almost like have him in a trance a little like, Bush on fire, must go to fire. And so this is the very beginning of a very personal encounter between Moses and God. Verse four, you can follow along on the screens. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God knows us. He knows us. He knows us by name. And I can imagine Moses maybe freaking out in this moment. After all, he's on the run. He's trying to put his past behind him. And now this bush is calling out to him by name. What else does this voice know about him? Have you been there? Have you been there? Maybe there's something in your past that you've been trying to keep there in the past. Maybe there's some shame and guilt that's associated with it. And in the same way, he says, Moses, Moses, he calls us by name. And Moses tries to hide his face, afraid to look at God. But here's the thing. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that we can hide from God. And he doesn't need us to come to him perfectly in order to be able to see him. God is so personal to us. 
Well, many of you have heard my minivan sagas, and so I've got another one for you guys. This is a good one, and also an embarrassment to me, so you're welcome. So this particular time, I decided that my, my van needed a car wash, and um, you know, there's different types you can go to, and this particular one, I was going to treat myself, where you get to you know, pull through, but then you get out of the car, and someone else will vacuum it for you, and you just get to sit and wait. Anybody? That's the one to go to, right? And so not all the time do we do this, but I, I was like, okay, this is going to be the one. So I drive up goes through, I get out of the car. If you don't know, my car's a mess, all right? So I was like, this is gonna be, I'm gonna go sit, I'm gonna get to read for a little bit and wait. So I'm sitting in the room and just kind of waiting for them to come out. And the car attendant comes a little too quickly to come call my name. And I was like, there is no way, no way that that is done in that amount of time. And he let me know um, that they were not going to be able to work on my van that day because it was too messy, too messy. How does one get rejected from a car wash? Ow! Maybe it was the melted ice cream in the cup holders or the banana peels somewhere in there, not sure. But the point is that God wants us to come to him with all our mess. He already knows it anyway. He knows the intricate details of our life and get this, it's not too messy and he will not reject you. In fact, just the opposite. He cares so much about you and he loves you so much that he wants you to join in the work that he is doing. God goes on to tell Moses that he has seen the misery of his people in Egypt and that his plan to rescue them from the Egyptians is through Moses. This is not a coincidence. God does not work that way. Every detail of his life up to this point has led to this call on his life. The family that he was born into, the upbringing that he had in the Egyptian palace, his time spent as a shepherd, all of this leads to the moment when God tells Moses to go. You know, this was most likely just an ordinary day for Moses. How long had this ground been holy ground? Moses had been wandering these hills for 40 years taking care of sheep. And is it possible that we are so busy doing our ordinary, everyday things that we miss an encounter with God? Has he been calling out our name and we are missing it because we're not paying attention? When Moses turns his eyes off of his everyday life, that is when he connects with God. And when we lift our heads up out of our phones, when we put our schedules to the side, when we stop focusing on our own desires, this too is when we will connect with God. We too are walking on holy ground. Let us not miss when he is calling our name. Well, let's jump to verse 13. Moses engages here and decides to play along. He says, okay, God, let's just say, let's just say I go do this. What am I supposed to tell them? What do you suppose that I say? Pharaoh is going to have a lot of questions. So on whose authority do I even have to be asking this? What is your name? And here we have that God introduces himself. He introduces himself to us. In verse, uh, continue on, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. 
God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. God introduces himself. Well, there's a couple of things here. So the first thing, God reveals his name, Yahweh. I am who I am. And the verb form here is a little mysterious, but the name that Yahweh means, the, the name Yahweh means that he is he will be, and he, always, he is, he was, and he always will be. He's not a past, and he is not a future. He has, and he will always be there. Fun fact, when you're reading your Bible, and you come across the word LORD in all caps, it's referencing Yahweh, the constant, never-changing name of God. From beginning of scripture to the end, God's desire is to be present with his people. He is saying, I be I am present. We see this echoed in the book of Revelation when, we, when it reads, holy, 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 we sang it this morning, is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He is constantly present. Something cool that many scholars believe and who study language is that the sound Yahweh, when pronounced without the intervening vowels, which you may have read in your homework, actually sounds like breathing sounds. And so I want you to do that with me today. That YH is an inhale, an inhale, and a WH is an exhale. So do that. Take a big breath in. Just inhale and exhale. Feels good, doesn't it? Feels good to take a breath. So... Even when you're not saying his name, you are speaking his name. A baby's first cry, his first breath speaks the name of God. And your final breath echoes his name. Without even saying the name out loud, we are literally speaking it through our breathing. He is ever present in our lives. And the second thing to recognize here as God introduces himself to us is he's reminding Moses of his resume. God's resume. When he says the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he says this three different times in this conversation. And he's reminding him that because he never changes, that the same work that he did in their lives is the work that he's doing in our lives now. The promises that were true of his ancestors are the same promises that you and I can rely on today. The reason he was trustworthy then is the same reason he is trustworthy now. So he says, my name is so powerful. So when they don't believe you, because they're not going to, don't give them your resume, give them mine. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is in control and will accomplish whatever is pleasing to him. So by telling Moses his name, God reminded Moses of how great he is. God revealed himself to Moses through a bush on fire, but he is still revealing himself to us today through the words we have right in front of us at our fingertips. He was, he is, and he always will be. And we can trust that he will, say, he will do what he says he will do. So now that we've established that God knows us, he knows our name, 
And he makes himself known to us and gives us his name. What's really interesting um, out of all of this is his invitation for us to know him. We can know God. We can know him. The word know is another one of those hard ones because it drops its meaning from how it was originally intended. When we hear the word know, we think of intellect. We can know facts in order to pass a test. We can know information. It's a transfer of knowledge. But to biblically know something is associated with an experience. Knowing is experiential and experiences transform our lives. You can never know certain certain things about certain people because they're gone. We can't know about Abraham Lincoln or Rosa Parks. Sure, we can know facts about them, but we can't know them in the same way that we can know God. And he wants us to know him. He wants us to walk with him each and every day. When you know someone well, you know how they'll finish a sentence. Um, I know that if it's before 3 p.m. that I can order my husband a Diet Coke. After 3 p.m., it needs to be caffeine-free. Either way, it's large, easy ice. We know the specific details about the people that we care about the most. And God, we can know God with those specific details also. Moses could have been satisfied with the burning bush, or as we learn going going throughout Exodus, the miraculous plagues or the parting of the sea. These things in and of themselves would have been enough. But even after all that Moses had experienced, he asked God for more. And I think too often you and I, we're fine with just the introduction of God and we stop there but God wants so much more from us and for us. He wants a relationship with us. He will come as closely and intimately as possible if we ask him, if we seek to know him. Now today you may not know God as deeply as you want to, as as deeply as you would like, but he is not a God of hide and seek. He desires to be found. And as Moses' story unfolds, we see time and time again where he took time to be in the presence of God. So for us today, that might mean turning off our social media for a little bit or passing on the next and latest Netflix series. It could mean putting up some boundaries with the people that we go to and how often we go to them for answers before we even seek to find God. It's removing all of the noise from around us, clearing the distractions so that we can ask to know God more. And as we consider Moses' calling, I can't help but look forward to an even greater calling, a greater rescue, how we can know God on an even more personal level. And that's the call of Jesus to come to this earth to save God's people from their sin. You see, Jesus is greater than Moses. Where Moses instituted the Passover, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb of God. And where Moses offered manna, Jesus is the bread from heaven. Where Moses miraculously provided water from a rock, Jesus is that rock. Moses delivered God's people from physical captivity and Jesus delivers God's people from captivity of sin and death. God weaves the Bible all together through one seamless story. We are introduced to God as Yahweh over here in Exodus, that he is present with us. And then it comes full circle back to the book of John to Jesus. The gospel of John is arranged around seven different I am statements. 
I am has now come to the planet as a human being. He is present with us. It's a new chapter to the story. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. So when John writes for God, he is talking about this God, Yahweh, never changing, always present. And it is he who loved the whole world so much that he gave the gift of a savior, Jesus, that anyone who believes in him would live with him forever in his presence where he has always desired us to be. Well, God has a name that requires a response. And today we talked about just one of his thousand names. I always think it's amazing before we even get here, Julie prepares these great worship songs to lead us in. And she, the way she started the morning is how I would like us to finish up in this, sec, in this space right now. We're gonna listen to a song. And as we listen to this song, I would just encourage you to open up your Bible, open up your Bible study book, find a place where you can write down some notes. And as the different names of God appear on the screen, would you think about them? Would you respond in worship to how God has already shown up in your life, how he has been present for you, how he has been the way maker, the ocean parter, the healer, the provider. And maybe you're in a season where you are begging God to be one of those things for you. Would you take a moment right now to reflect on that, to give him the response that he deserves, our worship as we consider his name and thank him for who he was, who he is, and who he will always be.